present value of your money, even though it's smaller, is always bigger than the future value because it's the future value of impact versus the present value of impact. I am a husband, a father, a lawyer, a Christian, and a proud Canadian. I started this series because it was clear that our nation needs truth. Not just another biased narrative, but real information of substance. We need access to facts and the freedom to think for ourselves. I'm Leighton Gray, and this is Gray Matter. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Gray Matter. Well, for we Christians, Easter is a time of redemption and renewal when we are reminded that God created a world of abundance in which, through Christ, even life itself is eternal. And yet, so often we think of life, and especially money, in terms of scarcity, of not having enough, of running out, which leads to problems like fear, anxiety, despair, and avarice. Well, today we have on the program someone who is an expert in money, who's written about it, written an excellent book that we're going to talk about. And really, the thesis of his book is about the importance of generosity and to think of our lives in terms of abundance. And his name is Derek Kinney. Thanks for being our special guest today, Derek. Oh, my pleasure, Layden. It's great to be with you, and thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. As we always do in this program, we've got uh, some aphorisms just to frame our conversation. The first of these is from uh, old, wise old Aristotle. He once wrote that a generous person is the one who gives the right person the right thing at the right time. The next quotation is from a man named Bob Proctor, who's probably familiar to our guest. Uh, and he once wrote that the law of prosperity is generosity. If you want more, give more. Next, from uh, someone who is quoted often on this program, Sir Winston Churchill, who once wrote, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. And finally, from the Bible, the book of Corinthians, uh, it's written, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So who do we have on the show today? Well, Derek Kinney. He is recognized by Forbes as one of the nation's, that's the United States, top financial advisors. Derek coached thousands of clients to financial success through his comprehensive fee-based money and business advice model. So Derek, what I'd like to start with uh, is uh, when I researched you, you had a very interesting thing on your website, uh, which is entitled My Totally Unlikely Story to Success. Can we start there and perhaps you can... Uh, Explain to people about this unlikely story and how it brought you to, to becoming a, a, you know, a, a very popular and well-read author. Well, let me go back. I'm, I'll go back a bit further, Leighton, uh, and uh, I'll take you back to when I was a sophomore in high school. And uh, you can probably see I have a pretty big nose. And a lot of people let me know about that. When I was growing up, I was teased mercilessly as a kid. And it really candidly, if I'm being honest, led me to a pretty dark place. I was lonely. I was searching. I was just asking God, God, why did you do this to me? Because I felt like it was almost a punishment. And I suddenly had a, an epiphany one day in my sophomore year in high school, and I decided to run for class president. 
And my junior year, I did not come from the gene pool of the popular kids, as many people can relate to. <laughs> and I had this idea that I was going to take posters. Normally, you'd write in really big letters, hey, vote for Derek and so forth. And I took the contrarian approach and I put it in very small letters thinking people would have to walk up to the poster and read it and, and they would absorb that knowledge. And therefore, I would stand out by, by sort of blending in. Well, it kind of backfired. I, I did come in second place, but I wasn't elected president that year, but it was still a fun year, but I learned a lot of lessons that year. So the next year, I decided to put all my chips on the table and run for student body president. And I had a, a different idea this year. And this was, I, I looked around the high school and I saw all these different groups of individual sort of people in silos. There was the, the rock and roll crowd back in the day and the country Western crowd and the band crowd and the athletes and the people who really like to study or the people that like to smoke cigarettes and all, all the groups around school. But nobody was really coming together or bringing them together. And the idea was I would get a picture taken with me and the leader of each of these groups and put that picture on a poster board where they all hung out with an, an endorsement of me. So for example, a guy named Steve Mosley, who was head of the rock and roll crowd, the, the long hair, the Ozzy Osbourne t-shirt. And I got a picture of he and I, and he said, rock the vote with Derek. He's gonna, he's our guy. <laughs> and what happened was, as I did this around the school, suddenly all of us who felt like we were nobodies felt like we were a somebody because somebody was bringing us all together. So out of five people that day, I won the election. But I will tell you this, Leighton, it wasn't me who won that day. It was all of us. And I mm -hmm. still get emotional thinking about it because it was a time where all of us had our inadequacies and we felt unworthy and undeserved. And, you know, we didn't feel like the popular crowd, but suddenly all of us together felt like we were on a mission to help each other be a better version of ourselves. And what that led me to do was it built confidence that I don't have to be the smartest person in the room. I don't have to be the one to impress everybody. As long as I can help people feel understood and heard and seen, I could actually build a pretty solid business. And that's what led me then to go into business and become a financial advisor. And those principles mm -hmm. really helped me become more successful than I deserve and much more than I thought I could ever achieve. That's, that's really a, a, almost the definition of servant leadership, isn't it? Yeah. That's what you, know, you discovered at a young age. And it makes a lot of sense, especially having read your book. Uh, that whole, what you just talked about is really in the book. It's in every chapter, isn't it? Well, I, what I wanted to do was blend in a book that was relatable to every reader. You know, if you're like me, there's lots of books and the authors are well-intentioned, but the book sort of goes over my head and I paid the 20 bucks and I might've picked up a couple of ideas, but it wasn't a real practical approach. And I wanted to have this book feel like you and I were having coffee together that, hey, they're sitting there with Derek, having a great cup of coffee. And, and here's a message in a conversational way that can help them not just make more money, but understand why they should make more money. And that is that mm -hmm. it's perhaps the greatest tool we have in the world that God has given us to do more good in the world. And the question I would ask your listeners and viewers is, you know, we, I tend to believe that there's good people and there's bad people in the world. And we know that when you give a bad person, people who hold people back and, and do bad things to people, if you give them more resources, typically what do they do? 
Well, they do more bad with it. So I believe I want the good people in the world, the people who want to lift people up and believe in people and build others up and give to grow God's kingdom. I want them to have more money. And I want to also debunk that, look, people interpret the Bible to say that the love of money is the root of all evil. Well, I, I really like, I'm not going to come to you and say I love money, but I really like it up to the highest level of almost on the verge of love. But it's not the money itself that I really like. It's because what it allows me to do to help improve other people's lives. Interesting. Um, you know, uh, the, and the book is called Good Money Revolution. Uh, it's available on Amazon and everywhere else that, that you buy books. I have to say, folks, that uh, the folks who follow this program know that I read a lot of books. I don't normally like financial books. And, you know, I've read recent ones like Robert Kiyosaki and Ray Dalio and others. Your book reminded me actually of a book that's about 100 years old now called Think and Grow Rich. Oh. Anyone who has read that book and understands it knows that it's not a book about money. Uh, the thinking richly, it's in terms of thinking uh, in, of, uh, in terms of abundance. And I see that same concept in your book, and it's coming from the same source. It's coming from a sense of, of God and a sense of purpose uh, and seeing money as a way, as a means of doing good works, of, do, of, of affecting people's lives and producing meaning. But one of the first steps be, it, towards doing that, uh, Derek, is losing this fear of, uh, of overcoming the fear of money. A lot of people have sort of irrational fears of money, of running out, of not making enough, you know, that they're going to be destitute and that sort of thing. So what's the first step for people, do you think, in terms of getting over that initial fear of, of money and of running out? Well, I believe the first step is to assess, do you have a bad relationship with money? Are you not on speaking terms with your dollar bills? And I would just tell all of your listeners to say, the first step is to ask yourself, have you been told by someone else or have you told yourself that you're simply not good with money or that other people deserve money and you don't? Or have you made a decision and it didn't go very well and you said, oh, that confirms it, I'm not good with money. I would ask you to press the reset button today and say, look, I can either choose to live based on what's happened in my past, or I can say my past has passed. That is in the rearview mirror. It's time to look through the windshield and make changes and now make and create the financial life that I believe God has for me. So that's how you sort of begin to realign your bad money beliefs. That's the starting point Yes, to getting over the fears, realigning, recognizing that maybe you have some beliefs about money that are that are irrational, that are wrong. Uh, and then, so once you get there, once you get past that initial fear and start to look at these, these beliefs, what, what do you help people with in terms of taking the place of those bad ideas? How do, we, how do you get people thinking positively about money in terms of abundance so that they can start to be generous with their money and also flourish themselves financially? Well, and it's such a good point because I can't expect people to buy this book and if they feel like they're thousands and thousands of dollars in debt for them to hear me say, hey, start giving money. It actually sounds pretty callous and shallow, if you ask only, me. Only governments can do that, right? That's Derek? right. That's right. And, and so <laughs> what I would ask people to think about is before they even think about giving, 
is we have to meet people's needs. I mean, for example, let's say that a good friend of mine uh, walks up to me and I can tell they've not had a meal in, in a couple days. Well, I could mm -hmm. say to them, hey, do you want to go on vacation with me to Florida? Or I could say to them, hey, how about we get you some food? Now, which of those two in that moment would be more practically received? Now, you might think, boy, they'd love to go on a vacation with me, but really all they want is a burger and fries and a drink to meet their right. current need. The first thing I would tell people to do is start simple. You know, what causes right. so many New Year's resolutions to go broken is on January the 1st, people write out 50 different resolutions where I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to lose 200 pounds. I'm going to pay off my house. I'm going to get a new job. I'm going to have a new mm -hmm. relationship. I mean, even saying all that makes me tired. <laughs> what I want people right. to do is think about on a, what could you write on a sticky note? Three goals, simple goals that by December 31st of mm -hmm. 2023, I will achieve. It might be, I'm going to reduce my credit card bill by $1,000. I want to save $500 for my kid's college. And I want to give $100 to this organization because I care about it and how it makes me mm -hmm. feel. Now, what you want to do is to supercharge those goals is you want to not just say, how good will it feel to achieve them, which is powerful, but the more powerful emotion is, what is at stake if I don't achieve these goals? If I don't right. save, $500 from my daughter's college, she could miss out on the opportunities that she wants and I want for her. And I can't allow that to happen. When I pull up and I see someone who's homeless, whatever their situation has been asking for money or cigarettes or whatever, whatever they're, they're looking for, whatever their need is, if I could give money to the homeless shelter who can educate and better prepare them for the future, that's what I want. If not, there's a group of people that may not live the life that I know God has for them. And so when you right. begin to take what I call the focus off of the me show, which is the selfish show, it's all about Derek. And I've lived in that world a long time. And it's a show that gets canceled after about one season. But I transfer that to the, to the we show, where it's all about me helping other people. How can I add value to people's lives? How can I help extract the potential from their life? and improve their life, that's the show that never gets canceled. And it's in reruns every day and people love to keep watching it. And so I would mm -hmm. just say, keep it simple. But even if you're drowning in debt right now, could you take $5? Could you take $10 and pick a cause that matters to you? Maybe there was mm -hmm. something in your childhood that made a big impact on you that, man, whenever I have more money, then I will. Don't worry about that. I believe the present value of your money is worth more than the future value. And, and let me just tell you why I believe that. You could wait and say, you know what, one day when I have $1,000, then I will give it to the homeless shelter. The problem is the time it takes you to save between your current $5 and $1,000, it could be years. And that years means the impact that is missed. You see, if I give right. $5 today, that's going to make an impact today on somebody's life. If I mm -hmm. wait a couple of years till I have a higher amount, all of those lives that could have been impacted right. are missed out. And so economically- you can't, make, you can't make more time, right? That's right. Economically, you can make the case, and I don't disagree with you that, well, Derek, 
the future value of money is always greater than the present value. That's true mathematically. But in the giving space, in terms of if we care about humanity and improving mm -hmm. people's lives, which I do and I know many people do, the present value of your money, even though it's smaller, is always bigger than the future value because it's the future value of impact versus the present value of impact. And when you do that, when you're giving, even if you're drowning in debt, if you give $5, suddenly now you're in control of that $5 and you feel empowered, you feel emboldened mm -hmm. because it's no longer a debtor calling on you and you're under that thumb of them owing the money. You've got $5 to control mm -hmm. and make people's lives better. And when you feel that sense of fulfillment and that sense of gratitude and that blessing that you're about to make to somebody, it can cause you to say, you know what? I need to go make more money. I need to do something to improve my financial life right now so I can experience this feeling every single day. That's a, a key message of the book, isn't it? That that small changes can that's that that even even small measures can cause huge huge changes, not just in terms of money, but in terms of transforming lives. That's one of the key messages of, of the book, isn't it? And and that that sort of extrapolates out uh, into a life uh, that's worth living, a life that is meaningful. Uh, a life where a person is, uh, let's say, freed of of the bondage that is the fear of money, of the fear of running out, the fear of scarcity, and uh, and sort of the prison of greed. Uh, that's 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 one of the messages that's really key in your book. Also, is that thinking in this way is an antidote to greed, isn't it? It, it really is, and you know, so much of culture today villainizes money. And they talk about that if you have too much money, and, and even the definition of too much money is very, very subjective, which typically means you simply have more money than the person that's criticizing you about the money you have. That's really the definition <laughs> of too much money. But if you have a company or you own a business that you're very successful, well, you're the villain in that story. And it leads yeah. us to some very questionable government thinking in terms of, you know what, the rich need to take a large portion of their money and give it to the poor. Here's the problem with that on many levels. First of all, the poor often are offended by just getting a handout because most people have this innate desire. They want to have their needs met, no doubt about that, but they want to be on a pathway to productivity. There's this feeling of when I earn it, it feels so good then to have money that I've earned with my hands, with my brain, with the gifts God has given me. And when you do that and you empower people, now you're building people up in a sustainable way. Simply asking the rich to give their money does nothing to motivate the rich, and it really does little to motivate the poor. So it's just a poor policy. While the optics may look good, it doesn't really have a lot of foundation long-term. But if we now talk about it and we, and we convince rich people, people that have the money to say, you know what, here is a way to not just feel like you're losing by writing this big check so that charity wins, let's embed a new culture into your business. That was a message that we began to take all around the country now that, look, culture has shifted. You can be a company that provides a great product or service and people will buy it but you're never going to be spectacular. You're never going to have raving clients. 
and raving employees. If you want raving, you need to give a portion of what you make. And here's why. You know, when you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs back in the day, and there's been other right. things that have talked mm -hmm. about this, you remember the top of the pyramid is either self-actualization or fulfillment. You see, all of us, and I believe it's just a longing that God gave each of us, we want to have that filled by giving to other people. When we give, when we make right. other people's lives better, it makes us feel more human and more full as a human. You know, all these movies, when I think back to these, these dying scenes of men and women who regret and they look back on their lives, if only I had done this, if only, I don't want that for any of our viewers. I want people right. to live every day fulfillment. So when their head hits the pillow at night, they know that they've made people's lives better, that they're making money for a purpose and they're helping other people live the best version of their lives. And that, that's, that was the purpose of this mm -hmm. program. I want it to be a movement to say, money is not bad. We want the good people to have it, the good people listening to this right now and no longer just use, I wanna have X amount on my bank account, which isn't bad, but I really wanted to use it to make more good in the world. And that's how you live a life of fulfillment every single day. Right. Uh, Derek, we've talked a lot about your book. I just want to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about your podcast, uh, The Good Money Podcast. You want to talk a little bit about that, about why you started that and, and kind of what the podcast is all about? Yeah, let me go back. So we, I, I sold my business in January of 2020. And, and prior to that, I think your listeners may find this of interest, I, I go on a sabbatical every year. And what I mean by that is I take about five days completely by myself to do three things, think, pray, and journal. And I ask myself three guiding questions every year. What can I do to be a better father? What can I do to be a better husband? And what can I do to be a better business owner? And those three questions, I just ask for God's wisdom because I tend to move pretty fast as many people do. And as I was praying just for God's wisdom, I felt like he guided me to say, Derek, write down a list of all the things that you would enjoy doing in this next phase of your life. And I wrote, I've been contemplating selling the business. And I wrote down, write a book, launch a podcast, coach, speak, consult. And all of those, I could just feel the excitement welling up inside me. And on the list, surprisingly, was not being a client-facing advisor. And in that moment, I knew it was time to sell. It was time to, to make a bold mm. move. I called my wife. This was literally about two hours into my sabbatical. I had four more days to go. And my wife was so supportive. She said, Derek, I've been thinking the same thing. So this doesn't surprise me. I'm fully on board. I support you 100%. And we prayed together, just asked for God's wisdom on that. Well, so January, I then sold the business. And I didn't sell it because I had a plan in place. I just sold it because I knew it was time to bet on myself again, as I had done 25 years earlier, starting this financial planning business and believing that God would open those doors. And so the podcast was all about how do I meet people where they're at and help them do better with their money and do better with their life. And so we've had some great guests. You know, we've had the, the Matthew McConaughey's, the Evan yeah. Rettes, the Mel Robbins. We've had great people, yeah. but also we've had people nobody's ever heard about. And it's simply people who are relatable, people who are like on this, listening to this podcast right now that, that maybe feel stuck. They have a dream mm. for business or that they feel stuck in their nine to five and want to do something of their own. How do they do it? And we want to offer hope, but more than hope, practical steps to help them build their financial lives and build their business 
and more importantly, how they can start making more money to do more good. It is a great show. I've, I've listened to about half, half a dozen episodes. Thank you. And uh, quite enjoy it. And I think that there's a lot of meaningful content there for people. So I, I strongly recommend it to those people who follow our show, especially if you're interested in finding out more about uh, good money and, uh, and the ideas that, that Derek has been talking about today with us. Um, Derek, we've kept you for a while and we're so grateful for the time. We've learned a lot more about you and uh, your philosophy and your book. Um, this is the part of the show where we sort of close off with something that we call the reading list. Uh, it probably will not astonish you to learn that your book is featured today. Uh, it's called Good Money Revolution. And uh, it really, it's received some really incredible reviews. Uh, and uh, you've talked about it a lot, but there's a, a list of, of, of things that uh, in, the, in the description of the book, it says that you'll discover. And so I want to highlight these. It says, you'll discover the secret to making more money, your generosity purpose, which Derek has talked about today. Five money mindsets keeping you from cash. Uh, so we didn't talk about that today. So that's a, a kernel of wisdom or five of them that are in the book. How to teach your money to make you money and use it for good. Derek did talk about that today. The three levers of money, save more, crush your debt and earn more. And how to transform your business and create a raving customer base. Derek says, don't just make money, make good money. It says, this book will show you how. Welcome to the good money revolution. One question I have about the book, Derek, is this. Uh, the good money part makes sense. Why revolution? Why is it revolutionary? You know, I, I debated on that word. You know, when you write a book, you really think about the titles of the book and what would have the most meaning. And I could have just called it, you know, how to make money. But the word revolution, what I thought about was that as we think about in history, there's moments where people want to right a wrong. There's an injustice in the world. There's something that they want to do. That they say, this is just not right. And I came to the conclusion that people for so long have said money is bad. We believe the Bible says money is bad. If you have a lot of money, you're bad. If you want to make money, you're bad. And I just wanted to, to say like they do on Family Feud, the big X, Erk, wrong answer, <laughs> reset. I want to debunk that and say, go make more money, but not for the usual reasons that people criticize. Go make it for the good that you can do. And one of the things, Leighton, I wanted to mention to you is we're actually giving away the first five chapters of the book for free. There's a special wow, link called goodmoneychapters.com goodmoneychapters.com. You can download that. You get the, the introduction by Donald Miller, a good friend, the first five chapters, because I want to give that away to get this message into his hands as many people as possible. So it's goodmoneychapters.com. Wow. Well, that certainly shows that uh, you mean it when you talk about the generosity yeah. purpose. Derek, I want to thank you so much for being our special guest today and talking to us about your work, about your lifetime of work and sharing it with us. It's so clear, it's so obvious uh, that you are living a life of meaning, that you are living a life of purpose. I want to wish you much continued success, and I hope that there's a sequel, perhaps uh, the Better Money Revolution. Lane, <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much. I really enjoyed this conversation with you. Thanks for having me. 